0: I would say that I I am the person that I am today because of my experiences in nature.
1: Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to 10 Minutes to Change. So today's episode is about ecological grief, and it's time that we start talking about it. And so for those of you that don't know what it is, ecological grief, also known as climate grief, is the pain, sadness, and feelings of loss that we experience when we witness or we lose an environmental place or species or body of water. Um, And Ashley Consolo, who has her PhD, she um, is a researcher and she is the director of the Labrador Institute of Memorial University in Labrador, Canada. So, Ashley has spent the past 12 years studying the impacts of climate change on mental health. And um, she first learned about the term ecological grief when she was conducting interviews with Inuit communities in Labrador. And so she says that when she learned about the term, it really came from the Inuit that she was working with and how they described it as grief related. Um, And it really resonated with her. And she said that they were giving voice and definition to what. Many, many people feel in regards to the changing climate and the climate crisis. Um, And she says that as humans, we are part of the ecosystems that we live in and within the animal kingdom. So there's this innate connection to the environment, whether we realize it or not. The extension to mourning beyond humans is a normal response to climate change. Um, And while others have advocated for terms like ecological hope instead of grief, um, she says that by calling the feeling what it is, grief, it's one of the most important things we can do. And the reason why is because it validates that difficult experience that so many people across the world are having. Plus, there's also great power in collective grief. And we should look at it as a political mechanism and not something to shy away from because talking about it can help us come together. And that's where the incredible power in grief comes in. So if you're experiencing ecological grief like I am and the members of Sierra Youth, here's how to cope with the feeling and to use it as a catalyst for action. So that's what we're here to do today. We're here to talk about the ways in which we've all experienced ecological grief, and we're here to use it as a catalyst for coming together and doing something about it. Emily is kicking it off this week by leading us through this great episode, so we hope that you enjoy. So just quickly to start um, before Emily takes it over... I'm just curious to know, what are some things that you all value in nature?
2: Clean air, like standing outside and
0: just feeling that crispness in my lungs. Water. I have a really strong connection to water and I was raised by many different bodies of water. And whenever water is impacted by pollution, I just feel that pain and I feel that loss and that grief. Um, Because
3: I always feel so at peace when I'm by the water. I think I hold the relationships in my life with a great amount of value. And there's never been a better way to explore those and be fully immersed in those than when you're in nature. There's no distractions and just fosters vulnerability and amazing chats.
1: I just genuinely feel more like myself in nature. It supports my relationships, you know, like you do activities with your friends outside. It supports my mental health. I go out for walks a lot just to kind of stand in awe of what's around me in BC. And I just couldn't imagine my life without nature and its intrinsic beautiful qualities. And I've made a conscious effort because I think that my values as a person have changed over time. But I'm not separate from the environment. I am one with it. So... Kind of what you do to the environment, you also do to me.
4: For me, a lot of it is kind of what you just said, Brenna. Like, I really just thrive when I'm outside and in nature. And, you know, for me, I was able to grow up like hiking to beautiful glaciers. And, like, I just want to, like, that's something that I hold valuable is just like that piece of ice <laughs> on a mountainside. Um, and I would love to be able to of protect that um, which leads me to my next question for everyone. Um, How have those values that you just mentioned driven your engagement in the climate movement?
2: I feel like for me it's literally everything like everything I care about is rooted outdoors and it's rooted in me and the thought of not being able to go outside and you know watch the sunset even or go on a hike or go skiing is debilitating and beyond that every time that I do those activities and I notice things that didn't used to be there whether that be trash or rocks that are no longer covered by glaciers it's just heartbreaking And I don't want that to continue.
4: So would you say that you've experienced ecological grief surrounding that?
2: I think I have experienced ecological grief, but to be frank, I had never heard the term before you brought it up. And when you initially did, it was really powerful for me because I think it's so liberating to be able to name that feeling, but it also kind of sunk me deeper into it in a sense like now that I can name it
4: yeah totally I only just heard the term like three or four years ago and I think I kind of like went through that same thing and like finally this year I feel like I'm kind of like on the other side of grief and like learning how to like channel that into action um which is hard like a lot of the time like I'm sure that everyone on the podcast and probably most of you listening like feel that you put so much of your heart into these things and you don't get a lot in return and I think that that's a lot of what ecological grief is for me personally
1: I think for me like it's just this debilitating feeling of like feeling very hopeless and for me I just thought it was like environmental depression like and they sound like synonyms but You know, I grew up spending my summers on an island called Salt Spring Island, which is just off of Victoria, and it's the most beautiful place on earth. It has beautiful forests, beautiful views. You swim in the ocean. You have freshwater lakes. You have deer. You get some coyotes sometimes, but like they keep the population in check, so you can't really like get mad at them. And like so many flowers, and just like everything, wildlife and wild is there. And they started logging it one summer, and then just completely dynamited an entire mountaintop area um, near my house. And so whenever I go for walks and I see all of the islands surrounding Salt Spring, I'm standing on a rock that used to be filled with trees, and it was to make way for a development where you could like have condos and get your hair done and you know, go for coffee, but they ran out of money halfway through. And so it's just a dead zone. And so that was probably like when I first discovered ecological grief, because it was just this feeling of helplessness and like knowing that I couldn't repair the damage that was done. And I think for me, like wildlife is so important to me. So I, when I think of like water pollution, I just think of all of the living creatures that like didn't ask for that to happen to them. And yet like they have no control over it. So it puts like a lot of responsibility on your plate, but sometimes it can feel really confusing with like, where do you start advocating and trying to think of a solution?
0: I would say that I, I am the person that I am today because of my experiences in nature. Um, I grew up going on canoe trips northeast of Sudbury, Ontario with my dad and my cousins. My dad is originally from Sudbury, Sudbury it's where he was born and raised. and there's a place that's really close to my heart called Wolf Lake. Um, It's one of the places where I went on my very first canoe trip and it's full of white quartzite cliffs. And there's a place called the blue lagoon where you go and it's surrounded by a waterfall and it's just clear crystal blue water. And it actually holds one of the world's last or one of the world's largest old growth red pine forests, And it's an ecological refugia for that forest and for the, species within that um, ecosystem. And so when I heard that the mining lease was extended within that ecosystem, so basically there's, um, there's a mining company called Flag Resources that basically got an extension for another 21 year mining lease within that area because Wolf Lake is held under forest reserve status. So that means that logging activities are prohibited but mining is still allowed to occur. And it wasn't included in the Chinacoochee Waterway Provincial Park, which basically is everywhere above and around Wolf Lake, but doesn't include Wolf Lake. And so I heard about this initiative called Save Wolf Lake um, a couple years ago. And I immediately, you know, tried to get involved and felt a little bit hopeless at the thought of, you know, losing the beauty in that ecosystem and all of the, you know, species that it holds. And the grief like that I experience when I think about like losing that special place on earth for me, is just quite overwhelming. Um, and I can't really like put words to it. And another experience that I had too was following my undergrad um, because my undergrad was in environmental studies. And so I spent four years basically just learning about everything that's going wrong in the world in terms of like climate change and the destruction of the environment and corrupt political scenes. And so actually the day after I finished, submitted my like thesis, um, and that was like my last day ever of university, Um, I, I had a complete breakdown, if I'm totally honest. Like I, I just cried because I was like, I don't know what to do with all this information. Like, I've just spent the past four years learning about everything that's wrong. And, you know, I've gained some tangible skills in terms of, like, complex systems thinking and climate advocacy and what to do about it. But, like, where am I going from here? You know, I'm living in the midst of a global climate or a global climate crisis on top of a global pandemic. And, like, I'm completely overwhelmed. And so that was also, like, a big point a big turning point for me. Cause I was like, Oh, I'm experiencing major grief here, but this is also like a huge point in my life in terms of like celebration and achievement. So I think it's possible to feel that love and reciprocity and care for the earth on top of also feeling the guilt and shame and like feelings of grief and loss at the same time. And like my experience is like not knowing how to cope with that. Like I've had to find ways within the past couple months after finishing graduating In terms of how to like move on and actually like take what I've learned and do something about it because otherwise I just sit in hopelessness and I feel so overwhelmed
1: that hits me in the soul I've 100% have been there I completely agree
3: yeah I feel like the concept of ecological grief is tied so much to this responsibility that we all feel um definitely us five in the environmental movement in this community um it's just this overwhelming feeling that we've let everybody down. Everybody in terms of the humans on this planet, the plants on this planet, the animals on this planet, everything. Like we didn't manage anything well. And there's such a weight and a grief to that. And I think we all have these experiences of comparing our childhood to current state and seeing how everything is dwindled and dulled and how anxiety inducing that is and coming to terms with how do we keep what's here now and there's no bringing some species back so how do we make sure that we can sustain what we have now just using that
4: as momentum to be able to move forward and like create change.
1: I do a lot of thinking where I'm like, where did we go wrong? Like, how did this even start? Because I'm surrounded by a culture that I don't agree with and a value system that I don't agree with. And yet I succumb to them sometimes because I don't know how else to live. But I think basically my despair for the climate emergency and everything that comes with it It hit me in 2018 when I just started like really noticing climate strikes around the world. And I was like, if all of these people can do that and be vulnerable and be brave and show up and advocate, uh, advocate, no matter how scary it can be, then I can too. So I mentioned in the first episode, I changed my degree and I was like, I don't even know what this is going to look like, but I'm just going to go back and study this because this is the most important thing I think that will impact everybody. I'm not doing this selfishly. I want the world to still be here for everybody. And I want people to live a good quality life. For me, I just kind of tried to go back to school and I just tried to volunteer. And I think that's Sometimes I'm even like, is that even enough? Like, I don't even know if I'm doing anything because grassroots action can be really hard to quantify and to really hard to see the results. But genuinely, when I'm talking to you, I just don't feel so alone and like, I feel more motivated to keep on doing what I'm doing. And I genuinely think at the end of the day, like if I can change like one or two people's minds, ideally more than that. But if I can uh, educate and like change one or two people to advocate advocate for the same things that I'm advocating for, that means something to me. And so I think it's just about consciously understanding that you have to educate yourself. You have to get involved somehow, whether or not it's going to a march, um, piping up on social media, uh, talking to your friends and family, volunteering for a local organization, writing letters to your minister. There are so many small ways that I think are so important, especially in COVID and like this digital world, you know, participate in webinars that you see um, and just try and be more informed. I think public education or public awareness is one of the biggest gaps and the biggest opportunity for us to turn this boat around.
4: Does anyone want to share any coping mechanisms? Um, I feel like that kind of touched on some coping mechanisms, but um, maybe some more like personal coping mechanisms that we've adopted to deal with ecological grief. For me personally, I like to write and to meditate. And that's kind of something that like has helped me deal with that. And just like honoring that grief, I think is a big one. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: I really like what you just said about honoring grief rather than like putting it away in a box and never dealing with it (laughs) because I think that myself included, like I have a tendency to like put an emotion to the side and be like, Oh, I'll deal with you later when I have time. But like, that's not the way life works. That's not the way our minds and our bodies work and the connection between our mind and our body and the things that we feel. So for me, I actually went to therapy and I am a big proponent for therapy attendance. Um, I've worked with a somatic experiencing Um, therapist and she's taught me a lot about the connections between the mind and body and the way that trauma and grief are stored in the body. And I just wish for everyone that I meet to talk with people about their grief and their pain, whether whether it's a therapist or whether it's a friend, a trusted friend or an advisor or a parent, because I think that opposite to like storing our grief away in a box is talking about the way that we feel and allowing yourself to connect with others over a collective grief so that you don't feel so alone in that. Um, and then I think uh, going off what you said, Emily, like I'm a poet. And for me, like I find a lot of solace in writing down all my, all of my feelings of grief through poetry and speaking that out to the world, whether it's like to friends or family or just to myself, Sometimes I'll record myself and like listen back to it when I'm on like a nature walk so I can just like hear my words in my head and be like, okay, everything's okay. You know, like it's it's just like the little things um, sometimes whether it's like baking or just, yeah, going on a nice walk or therapy, you know, so.
2: I think for me, my grief has manifested in guilt and maybe that's why I haven't been able to name that feeling yet. Because all I felt was this guilt and this shame, I think, that I'm not doing enough. Like anything I'm doing, I should be doing more. And you guys have heard me say this on this podcast, and I will say it till I'm blue in the face. But for me, it's really about reminding myself that the goal is progress and not perfection in the climate movement. And holding myself to that standard of like needing to solve climate change isn't healthy for me or the planet at the end of the day. And so it's really just helped me to kind of take a step back and take a deep breath and be like, you're doing the best you can. And if you need to use some paper towel, that's okay. And that's honestly really helped me.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I feel similarly. I The first term I heard related to this was eco-anxiety, and that is definitely how I feel. There's so much anxiety tied to our actions, um, but sometimes a little bit of perspective helps me when I'm really, really feeling that, um, because the fact is that corporations are the brunt of all of the evils of, in this environmental movement, and... So sometimes I do 100% believe that we need to attack this both ways from both ends, from the individual all the way up to the corporation. Um, But sometimes a little bit of perspective eases my anxiety a little bit. Um, But at the same time, movement. And I think what's really helped is being in this group and in environmental communities in general. And just there's this feeling that you guys understand what I'm saying. There's so many people out there that understand and that are passionate about this and we're all in this together. And as cheesy as that is, it kind of like takes the load off of me as an individual and we can share that together, which helps me breathe. Yeah, I think
1: honestly, before I even get into anything, I think what I've realized at least for myself is like I need rest and recovery too. I think that I can get very black and white where it's like all either you do everything or you do absolutely nothing. And so what Jackie said, like progress, not perfection. We should say that in every episode, but (laughs) (laughs) thank you. Keep us on track. It's like not forgetting that, you know, you are a person too. You have other hobbies and you have things you like, and you need to still feed those in order to keep pursuing this mission. Because if you burn out now, think about all those years that you will lose potentially like fighting for change. And so I think that that's something I need to work on because I end up just like bearing myself up to my, up to my eyeballs in work and environmental related news, which I'm passionate about, but it can be very overwhelming. And so I think that also like allowing yourself space to disconnect and appreciate where you are now and appreciate the present and like how things are is also really important too. I think
4: Also, one thing that I found like really great is just like talking about ecological grief um, more and more like, you know, it's been something that I've made a point of talking about, especially in the last like year. And I think that like just knowing that other people are experiencing it as well, because I think that it's like grief is really easy to like feel isolated in. And by like talking to other people, you kind of just realize that like a lot of people are feeling the same way. Today, for your 10 minutes to change call to action, we are asking you to take 10 minutes to call a friend or a family member to talk about ecological grief. Ask them if they've experienced it. Talk to them about your experiences. Talk about how you can continue moving forward within the climate movement with momentum, even while coping
1: with ecological grief. Don't forget to check out this episode's show notes for more resources on ecological grief and actions you can take and things like that. Um, please follow us and subscribe on any platform that you listen to your podcasts. And we're also on Instagram at 10 Minutes to Change Podcast. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you soon.